Lemon Pepper Parlay is presented for the People by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Welcome to the Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast. I'm your host, Mario White. I'm joined here not by Will Blackman, who has to go be a dad this weekend, I guess, but joined here with the second biggest Chiefs fan on the planet. The number one Chiefs fan is currently sitting in jail because it was Robin Banks to finance the tickets for his Chiefs addiction. Mark Gunnels doesn't go that far, but if you log on your Twitter app, you'll see him in a Twitter space somehow debating whether or not Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback to ever grace the planet Earth. Welcome to the show, Chiefs super fan, Chiefs reporter, FS1 reporter, Mark Gunnels. You're hilarious, man. Uh, thank you for the introduction. It's been a long time since I've been able to join you on this fine network here. So it's definitely a pleasure. And I hope you're doing well. I am doing well. I am doing well. Not as well as you are. As Kansas City had the first round by. And uh, now we're going to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am doing well. I went 6-0 and in the divisional round straight up. 4-2 against the spread. I don't I have no idea what the Seattle Seahawks are doing in the second half. Really felt like felt like should have been five and one. Should have been five and one against the spread. You know, I picked the Dolphins to Skylar Thompson. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. You know, uh, but the wild card round has come and went. Everybody's been fired. Yeah, out of thirty two teams in the NFL, ten different offensive coaching openings. Some defensive guys were fired. One of my guys, one of my sources, let go. So he's unemployed. That's no good. But uh, when I sit here, we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had a obviously an Urban Meyer the year prior, Doug Peterson putting his best bid in for Coach of the Year. Um, you as a Chiefs fan, after watching what you watched last Saturday. One of the most historic comebacks in NFL history. What's your level of concern as the blonde-haired, uh, the blonde-haired assassin himself, Trevor Lawrence, saunters in to GEH Field at Arrowhead Stadium? The blonde-haired assassin. You just gave him that nickname, huh? That's very clever of you, by the way. I think he's. I, I, thought, did, they yeah. him, I thought he was sunshine. I'm calling him Tressa May. I'm calling him Tressa May from now on. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm calling Tresemme Lawrence from now on. <laughs> uh, level of concern, it's not really high. I mean, I obviously respect this Jaguars team. You know, last year, you kind of throw that out the window. With Urban Meyer, to me, this is really Trevor Lawrence's rookie year because nobody would have succeeded under that circumstance. I mean, after the game in Ohio, the guy was at a freaking bar. It didn't travel back with his team. So, I mean, that just tells you how much of a disaster that was in Jacksonville last year. A but, bar named after himself. Like, his bar. Who that? I, his I own bar. know that. Oh, wow. The Urban Meyer's <laughs> Ale House. So, it's just like, you know, weird <laughs> oh, play. Oh, my God. Wow. I didn't even know that. Over there getting lap dances and stuff. Nasty behavior by Urban. But uh, besides the point there. I think this Jaguars team, obviously, they're hot right now. They have a lot of momentum after that big historical comeback last week. But you know what? That was more about the Chargers chargering 
And, you know, as a fellow AFC West fan, I'm very familiar with how the Chargers operate. When they were down 27 to nothing, I really thought the Jaguars still had a chance. I'm like, okay, if you score before halftime, get the 27 to 7. You betted it live at 27 to 7, so you felt the same way. It, it cashed in, right? Because you knew deep down inside the Chargers were going to Charger, man. It was inevitable. It's the same thing when they have Phillip Rivers. They always have these talented rosters. Oh, they have a top five roster in the league with one of the best quarterbacks, the uh, one of the most explosive offenses and all this talent defensively. It doesn't matter. For some reason, I don't know. I can't explain it. They always come up short. But I do think in this game, if the Chiefs get out to a quick start, it's not going to happen this time because you're on the road. You're going to Arrowhead. The Chiefs have the bye week. We know Andy Reid's record off of bye is one of the best we've ever seen. I don't think they want to get down early in this one. You have an interesting dynamic here. Well, first of all, with the Chargers, they should have had, this is going to sound crazy, they should have had 41 points in the first half of that game. And if they had, I would have been like, okay, this thing's over. But when you kick multiple field goals within the 10-yard line, I'm like, oh, they're going to lose this game. The Chargers left points on the board, which is the wildest thing to think. When you're kicking multiple field goals inside the 10-yard line, I said, you know what? They haven't done much of anything to stop Jacksonville's offense. If Trevor Lawrence can get his head out of his, you know what? You know, this team is going to turn it around. They're going to score points. And I said, you know what? At 11-1, feels like a winner. And it was, ultimately. But that's what got them to Kansas City. Interesting dynamic here. You got Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. It's a little uh, uh, teacher versus pupil in terms of, and then, uh, you know, and Doug Peterson actually getting the job done in Philly, winning a Super Bowl where Andy Reid could not have four appearances. And now, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously, I mean, Andy Reid gave Peterson a start. No, 100%. And that's the key matchup for me in this game. Because, I mean, if you're talking about roster to roster, I think the Chiefs have the better team. But when you talk about the coaching matchup, I think it's fairly even. I mean, Doug Peterson, like you mentioned, won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia in only six years. Andy Reid was there forever and didn't win one. So you have that dynamic. And we we all know about this trick play, the Philly special. Even when they play each other the first time in Week 10, when Jacksonville came to Kansas City, they started the game off with an onside kick, and they were successful. Now, they did end up scoring on that drive, but they went for it two times in that game. I expect to see more aggressiveness because the Jaguars, I know you hate this saying, they're playing with house money in this game. They have no, nothing to not. lose. <laughs> they have nothing to lose. Ooh, they have a playoff game to lose. Yeah, but, nobody thought, they, lose, but, nobody, but nobody thought they would be here. So uh, the Chiefs obviously have way more pressure in this game than Jacksonville. That's my point. So I expect Jackson to be super aggressive. About this. I told you about this with Patrick Mahomes. Well, I told you when it happened, and it has proven true four years later. You gotta win the one that no one's expecting you to win. That's what catapults you. If you win the one that no one expects you to win, then it's like, wait a minute. Now we actually have like the Chiefs have had an AFC dynasty. Sure. You go into the AFC, you know what I'm saying? But in terms of like a Super Bowl dynasty, that's how you get it. You get the surprise one. Like if Joe Burrow had won last year and now they're on a run again, then it's like, wait a minute, this guy's about to be back to back. You got to get the one where nobody's expecting you. <laughs> but I, say, I would say that's what's keeping Jacksonville right now at this moment in time. However, it ain't happening today. 
I think the Chiefs are going to roll here. So could I make the argument that if the Chiefs win a Super Bowl this year, that would fall under that category based on what we heard, heard before the season? Everybody's talking about what's going to happen without Tyreek Hill. I'm expecting Patrick Mahomes to regress. They weren't the favorites in the summer. It was all about the Bills and Josh Allen. So couldn't you say if they won it this year that it falls under that they weren't supposed to win this year because it's a quote-unquote reload, rebuild what year without Tyreek Hill? It's not over. It's not over for the concept of the Chiefs dynasty. Like, I'm not going to say, like, yeah, if they win this year, hell, they could win the next four years in a row. You know, so I'm not saying it's over. I'm just saying in general, when you can get that first one when no one's expecting you, you know, Mahomes is now the elder statesman in the playoffs, which is crazy. You know, he's one of the oldest between him and Dak. They're the two oldest quarterbacks that are out there. I, I'm old enough to remember Dak's rookie year. Feels like it was just yesterday. You know, I, I remember him flipping over Bobby Wagner in the, in the, in the, in the NFC wildcard round. You know, I was like, you know, what are we doing? Time, time continues to move. But I do think Kansas City, I think Kansas City takes this one. I think they cover the nine. Uh, I've, I've been waffling on it a little bit. But ultimately, um, like you said earlier, this was, if there was ever a moment in which nobody believed in them, this was the year. This was the year in which no one believed in Kansas City. Tyreek Hill was getting MVP vote. I don't know if offensively the Jaguars are in a position to take advantage of what Steve Spagnuolo lets out there. You know it as well as I do. He's going to have one safety, and he's going to have those corners pressed up super tight. And I just don't know how much Zay Jones and Marvin Jones and any other Joneses that they got out there, Christian Kirk, are going to be able to get open on this Chiefs defense that has, what, second or third most sacks in the NFL? Yeah, that's second. And to your point, I think actually you kind of – you made a really good point because I think the way the Jags' offense is constructed and how they run, it actually plays into the hands of that type of Spags defense. So, yeah, I think for this week they will be able to get by with that. Uh, and I do think the Chiefs covered the nine as well. You know, in the first meeting, the Chiefs, they won by 10, but they were actually up 17 midway through the fourth quarter. Jags get a touchdown, make it 10. And that was despite the Jags winning the turnover battle plus three. The Chiefs had three turnovers. The Jags didn't turn it over once. And they still lost by 10 points. So I, I love the Chiefs with that number at nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. Everybody on the planet is going to have Chiefs, Eagles money line on Saturday. Our Chiefs Eagles teaser. Because it's like, how can it lose? It feels like, how can it lose? Well, Mark Jones, I'm tell you how it can lose. If the New York Giants are going to upset the Philadelphia Eagles 15 Saturday night, you heard it here first, second, and third. Right here, Daniel Jones and the Giants are going into Lincoln Financial Field, a house of horrors. For the Giants. They haven't won there since Eli, it feels like, apparently, I guess. It, 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 the last time they won there in spaghetti was Eddie Meatball. So long ago it was. I'm going, but I tell you this, this Eagles team, they played fast and loose with the injury report. Jalen Hurts, remember four weeks ago, Nick Sirianni's talking about, oh, you know, he can run a mile faster than you. He can shoot a basketball better than you. He can uh, 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 paint a fence better than you. And that's why he heals faster than you. Well, you know, that's all well and good. I saw in week 18 where he looked, you know what he looked? Not healthy or happy to be there. 
And that gives me a big cause for concern. Lane Johnson also gives me a cause for concern. I mean, the concept of the guy delayed surgery. And everybody's just like, okay, cool. Like, like you know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm not getting surgery to continue to play. And everybody's like, oh, all right, no problem. Like, he's hurt. Hurt. He needs surgery. Go under the knife after this. Oh, man. This is a hot take by you. Um, so, obviously, division rivals is the third time playing this year. I, I do think it will be a tough game. Uh, I don't think the Giants are going to actually win. I, I can't go that far. I think the Eagles are just better in every phase of football. Their offense. I know you're talking about Jalen Hurts got the better injured. Um, that's subjective because – you know, you would say Brian Dable, right? Just because of the lack of talent he has and the fact that they're doing really good. So you would you would penalize Nick Sirianni because he has a more talented roster. But I don't think that's completely fair, right? Because I do think he does have a player major part in elevating that talent, right? You know, you got Jalen Hurts, who before he got hurt, people were saying he was the MVP of the season. They so were I, wrong, I think, but it was I feel you though. Well, yeah, but he was in the conversation <laughs> none, nonetheless. Uh, so. You know, that, that's that's tough. I can't really say which one is better. It's hard to say that right now. I think it's too early in both their uh, chapters right now. But besides that point, I just don't know how the Giants will be able to effectively sustain drives offensively. That's my biggest pushback on you saying they'll actually win the game. Now, I know you got Vanilla Vic out there, Daniel Jones. I know that, that's the hot nickname. Vanilla Vic, right baby. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. But I do believe the Eagles are going to sell out on neutralizing that running game and daring him to beat him with his arm. And I don't trust their weapons. I mean, who, who, uh, Slayton? I mean, is that who you're banking on? Does Kenny Galladay still even play anymore? Hey, I, first I of all, first of all, you're not going to do is disrespect Kenny Galladay. Because what he did in a in a in a wild card round, he, he, go back and watch. Kenny Galladay had some pancake blocks coming in as like a blocking wide receiver, run blocking. Okay, <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, man, you got to stay. On the, hey, you got to block and stay on the field, man. You got to, got to, got to hit somebody. You got to hit somebody. You trust though, Daniel Jones, to make the key throws on those third and eights, third and seven, obvious passing situations? Or do you just think their run game would be good enough to where they're not even in those situations where they're in third and manageables? Because to me, that's that's going to be the telltale sign of who wins this game or not. Can the Giants stay on the field and sustain drives and keep the Eagles' offense off the field? You know, I just I think that this is going to be a lower-scoring game, first of all. I think it's going to be both teams that want to possess the ball a ton. I like the Giants to be able to stay on schedule here. I think they'll be able to, like, in terms of their game script, I think they'll be able to stay on schedule. I, I am not a believer in the Eagles' defense in the same way that other people are. I think that it structurally, it has some issues. Like, it's, like if you just go and look at quarterbacks that play against the Eagles, just look at how many incomplete passes they throw. Like, the ball does not hit the ground a lot. And I think that seems to matter a ton. And especially when you got a guy like Dayball who is scheming this stuff up for, for Daniel Jones in a way that, like, that we see, uh, you know, similarly we'll talk about him in a little bit, but Kyle Shanahan. 
is scheming things up for Brock Purdy. Like nobody's sitting here and being like, oh, Brock Purdy was overdrafted or underdrafted. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's probably right appropriately where he should be. But, uh, you know, he, when you got these receivers that are rock, running butt booty open, the artist, the defense has completely tricked. And you know what? I want to see them run student body right like they do with Daniel Jones sometimes. Just quarterback sweep, quarterback sweep left, quarterback sweep right. It's the type of football that that, that is near and dear to my heart. Like when they came out, when it, when it, when the Jaguars came out on the wing tee and to convert that fourth down, like a, like a solitary tear ran down my eye. It was beautiful. <laughs> no, I love it, man. And we haven't even mentioned Saquon Barkley. You know, uh, I think he's a guy that obviously this is his first playoff run in his career. I think he's trying to stamp his name in the NFL lore, uh, NFL films, right? He's the type of guy that I think could break a couple, right? Because he has that dynamic ability to uh, break one open. So I, I could see your line of thinking here and saying the Giants could pull off the upset. I'm not going that far. I've been fighting as far as the line goes. It's at seven and a half right now, I believe, right? Is that still okay? Hasn't changed? <sighs> I've been teetering on that, man, because I can see a scenario. Because the first time they played each other, when both teams had their starters out, you remember the score of that game, right? It was 48 to 22 in favor of the Eagles. I mean, they almost put a 50 burger on them. And then the last game, I know the Giants were resting some guys. The Eagles had their starters playing, but I don't think they were really truly motivated for that game. It was Hurts' first game back, so I don't really put too much stock into that game. I pretty much throw it out the window. But if I had to go push come to shove, I think the Giants do a backdoor cover here. I, I, get, I think they cover. I'll tell you what. The Eagles are on full upset alert. That injury report, I think they're lying. I think they're lying on the injury report. Like I said, Dr. Dr. Wise. Dr. Wise. I think they're lying. I I think they're lying. Me. So I'm betting on the Giants. The Giants win this thing, and it's going to be wild to see the Giants in the conference championship. That's nasty. Uh, Nobody wants to see that. That's nasty. What do you mean nobody wants to see that? The Come whole on. metropolitan New York area wants to see that. I'm sure well, Mikey Meatballs wants to see that. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about the whole nation. <laughs> Nobody wants to see it, he said. Nobody <laughs> wants to see it. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into Sunday's games. Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code Omaha Full and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, You'll get your stake back as a free bet. 21 years plus only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 or more wager only must register with an eligible promo code. 
Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit, $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. The matchup that we have been waiting for on the AFC side, right? We know that we have the Chiefs, and as Joe Mixon has said, the Bengals are the big dogs of the AFC. I have to tell him, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we know the Chiefs are the kings of the AFC over the last five years. These two seem to be battling for second in the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. I personally, do not understand how much credit Buffalo has gotten simply for losing to Kansas City when Cincinnati has beaten Kansas City at almost every recent turn. However, we are here now. This line has been running in the other direction away from the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bills were four-point favorites, five-point favorites. Now I'm seeing it at five and a half. It's just pounding Buffalo money. I don't, I don't where are you going here? Well, this line to me is very, very odd. And it almost makes me scared to go on the bingo side because it seems too obvious. Five and a half. These two teams are evenly matched at worst. And I think the Bengals are actually the better football team. So the fact that the Bills are getting five and a half, it, it is mind boggling to me. But I, I have to go Bengals against the spread. And I think the Bengals win the game straight up. But make sense of this line for me, Martin, so I can feel a little better because I don't want to get in my conspiracy theory bag here. But why in the world are they five and a half point favorites? It makes me nervous. The only thing I can figure is that they have been. Well, first of all, everybody saw Jack Jonah Williams get hurt on TV. Everybody saw him get hurt. So everybody's like, the Bengals don't have offensive line. And the Bills have been overvalued all year and continue to be. I can't understand why. Like, this team is not the wagon that people think it is. In fact, the Bengals are the wagon that people think the Bills are. When you look at Joe Burrow in his last 25 starts against the spread, I mean, you know, it's just it's, it's silly. This, this comes down to me, too. The Bengals, if they can keep Joe upright, I don't know if they can cover. Trey White has looked like a ghost since he's been back from injury. DeMar Hamlin, obviously out. He was in for Micah Hyde, who still checking to see if he's going to play this postseason. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That, I mean, they had Kyrie Elam that came out and he's playing on the nickelback. 
right? And he's ended up putting him in the starting lineup. But ultimately, these Buffalo defensive backs, and I know Poyer is back out there after missing some time, but these Buffalo defensive backs, how do they match up to Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins? Hunter, uh, 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 the, the, the Ravens, old Ravens tight end, Hayden Hurst, right? How do they line, how do they line up with uh, these guys and keep them in front of them? I don't see the ability of Joe. And we've seen Joe take eight, nine, ten sacks and be like, whatever, I'll just win the game. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it was a small sample size, but when they did play for that nine minutes on that Monday night, Joe was cooking with a hot grease. The first play of the game, he saw one-on-one, Trey White on Jamar Chase. Remember that first play? Yes. Go ball, pass interference. And you know why it was pass interference? Because Trey White got cooked, and he had to grab him. If he didn't, that would have been a touchdown on the first play of the game. Then after that, methodical, kept cooking, kept slicing. Joe Burrow, bro, on that drive when Hamlin got hurt, they were about to score again, dealing. bro. He was dealing. They were about to score. They were at the 50-yard line. They were about <laughs> to score again and go up 14-3. to three. I have no doubt in my mind. So, you know, obviously it was a small sample size, but I think you could take something from that nine minutes, man. I think there's some value to that. And then when the Bills drove and got that field goal, yeah, they went down the field, but it didn't look the same. It was a struggle. It was a third down where Josh Allen had to get it with his legs, and he barely got it. It wasn't the same methodical non-resistance that the Bengals showed. So I don't see why that would change too much in this matchup. Obviously, it's in Buffalo, so I do acknowledge that factor. So I'm not going to ignore that. But at the end of the day, man, I just think kind of what you said, the Bengals' skill possession receivers have a major advantage against the Bills' secondary. And as long as Joe Burrow has time, and if they can get some type of running game going with P. Ron and Joe Mixon set up the play action, I think it could be a long day for Buffalo. Look, man, that's one thing we are. I think that's one thing if you're looking at props. I'm not a great prop better, but if you're looking at props, I'd be looking at under for Mixon, over for P. Ryan, you name it, because he's their blocking running back. And when you have this offensive line that they have, P. Ryan is going to be in there eating up linebackers and safeties as they come across the edge. Uh, I like. I think that is a that's a solid look if you're looking, if you're interested in getting down in that way. Um, offensively, will the real Josh Allen please stand up? Which one is? It? That's what I just want to know. Is it the first thirty-two games of his career, or is it the last the playoff run? You know. Is it the first five games of this season where he's like, he's the MVP? Or like the next 12 games where he's like, wait a minute, this guy turns the ball over in the red zone a lot. A lot. I just want to know. I just want to know. I was told that uh, he had matured out of it. But part of me feels like you still got that, that, uh, that quick twitch. That twitch, he just wants to, I can't help it. I can't help it. I want to I want to turn the ball over. I want to turn it over. I want to turn it over. And he does. Yeah, you know, to even go a little deeper here, to me, it's not even just about the turnovers. It's about the lack of execution offensively and giving the opponents the ball back and going for these goal balls that turn into incompletions. Look at that Miami game. The possessions are very, very important. Miami had 
15 possessions in that game. No, actually, I think 16. The Bills have 15. In the Bengals and Ravens game, the Bengals only had the ball eight times. So the Dolphins had it double. And that is because the Bills were not sustaining drives. They refused to run the ball. And they kept going for these kill shots down the field that turned into incompletions, which stopped the clock and forced them to punt. Go ahead and give Joe Burrow 15 possessions if you want to. <laughs> give Joe Burrow the ball 15, 16 times. <laughs> Good luck. Now, maybe you're thinking if you're Buffalo, well, we didn't respect Skylar Thompson, so that's why we were playing like that. Now against Joe Burrow, we won't play that same way. You better hope so, because I'm telling you, if the Bengals get north of 12 possessions in this game, the Bengals might run away with it because they play well, efficient football offensively. If you, if I set the over-under for Buffalo offensive turnovers at two and a half, what would you take? I'll take the under. I'll take the under. I, I think they have one for sure with the potential of two. I don't see more than two. You know, the Bengals have the best turnover luck in the postseason. Like, yeah. it seems like ever. They are, they just seemingly never turn it over. But you know what pays out nicely? That Bengals Giants money line parlay. Remember, remember, you what heard it? it here first, America. It's like ten to one, eleven to one. Okay. Okay. All right. You know <laughs> what? I know you all see all these people putting all these sand game parlays with like you know alt points for Kevin Porter Jr. That's right. All I do is just give you straight up, straight up bangers right there. Ten to one, you can't miss it. Ten to one, guys. Ten to one. Now this one, I'd say, look, this game on Sunday. I have two. I have two brackets. You were there as I was filling them out. My playoff bracket. One of them, <laughs> well, the only game in which I spent more than like five minutes deliberating was this one. The divisional matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. It's the like, 90s, baby. Yeah, it's also last year. I saw that tweet. You're like, <laughs> it feels like the 90s. I mean, we saw this last year. I know, I know. <laughs> Literally the last time the Cowboys <laughs> played a playoff game before last week, it was against this very similar 49ers team. But there was one big difference. You know what the big difference was? Brock Purdy is the starting quarterback. For your San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy G on the bench. Yeah. So this game, kind of like what you said, I've been going back and forth on uh, the money line and the spread. Uh, I've really, really been struggling with it. But right now it's what, Niners minus four or is it three yeah. and a half? Okay. Minus four. So here's the thing. And I know you're on the Purdy bandwagon. He looks really Purdy. I know you're all there. Everything rock the rock, baby. Yeah, big Glock, all that, whatever. So here's what I'm gonna say, and I want, I want, I want your opinion on this. Everything's been peaches and roses and sunshine for Purdy. Don't you have a feeling that he's due for a stinker? I mean, yes. at the end of the day, the guy was the last pick of the NFL draft for a reason. You know, I mean, everybody's not gonna be. Tom Brady. That was a once-in-a-lifetime situation. The guy was the last pick for a reason. And outside of the Commanders game, this would be the best D-line he's played all year. And in that Commanders game, the game was tied 7-7 at halftime. 
Now, it got out of hand in the second half, but nonetheless, they gave them some struggle. And now you got Michael Parsons, D-Law. We know Diggs is a very ball-hawking corner in the back. I could see a couple turnovers in this game, man, that can change the tides here. And we know last year how it went down. The Cowboys, obviously, that stuck in their crawl all offseason. Mike McCarthy said the guys were a little nervous before the game. So hopefully they got the nerves out now because they know what to expect going against this Niners team. You know what, man? I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Give me them on the spread, the money line, whatever you want to do it. Dak Prescott is hot right now. He had the best game of his career last week. Dallas is going to their first NFC title game since 1995. I told Sal we're in Vegas. I looked him in his eye and I said, Sal, why is nobody talking about the Cowboys can go to the Super Bowl? It's right there in front of them. It's right there. If he remains, like if Dak is going to be the best quarterback in the NFC, if he beat Brady and then boom, he beat Brady. Now there's really no conversation. After because Jalen Hurts is injured, right? So it's like if, if Jalen Hurts is healthy, now we're gonna have a talk about it. But if they go, like, I mean, Dak is accomplished. Dak is a good. He's a he's a good football player. Damn it, I said it. You know what I'm saying? I know that people are like <laughs> want to go in and out, but I am concerned. I thought that Kyle Shanahan did a really good job uh, in the first half of the Seattle game. We've seen Shanahan Garoppolo in the playoffs before, and I've never seen him, Kyle Shanahan, and the 49ers have more drop-back passes in a game than they did in the first half against the Seahawks. A team, they knew they were going to handle that team. So you know what they did? They said, all right, Brock, it's the playoffs, baby. Go spit it. Go spit (laughs) it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to have you out here throwing this thing all around the yard, Get your nerves all out of there because, you know, there's no time for that. But now, second half, what they do, and obviously in the first half had a big Christian McCaffrey run that helped a ton, right? First, second half, what do they do? They come out and they start playing 49 football. They start pulling the guards and tackles and running the ball down your throat, through the edge, through the middle, however you want it. They just give it to you. Like, so, but I do, like, Michael Parsons may not be the best defensive end in football, but I think he's the most impactful, like in a way of like uh, almost like a Zion type of deal where like Zion is not the best, like big man or power forward, whatever position he plays in the NBA. But when he's out there, he presents such a unique matchup disadvantage that it's like, all right, well, even if he's not, he may not be the best player on the team, but we got to but we, but if we don't shut him down, it's, it's quiet, right? Um, if you just look, look at my old Collins, I just I I have the image of him in my head, and he's hurt now, ACL, MCL. But I have the vision in my my head of him jumping off sides because Michael Parsons just looked at him. You know what I'm saying? Our false starting because Michael Parsons just looked at him. Like he just Michael Parsons turns his head. My old Collins is like, Whoa! you know what I'm saying? He's like, wait, 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 wait. And it's just I don't. There's not a lot of guys who are like that in the league. And Michael Parsons is definitely one of them. That gives me a little bit of cause for concern because they will move him around and you can't necessarily move Trent Williams around the same way you can move Michael Parsons around. Yeah. 
And I think one major thing, too, on the other side of the ball that the Cowboys have finally realized, and I've been banging the table for, it feels like, a couple years now, Tony Pollard needs to be RB1. I know you love Zeke. I get it. The nostalgia of his rookie year, and I understand Ohio State, the allure. He is not the same guy. Tony Pollard has the juice. Anytime he touches the ball, he is capable of taking it to the house. And Zeke still plays a major role there. It's literally, I know it's cliche, but it's that thunder and lightning, right? Zeke is there for the short yardage stuff, the goal line situations. I understand that. But for the majority of the game, the more touches for Pollard, the better this Cowboys offense is. Especially going against this Niners defense, you're going to have to spread them out, have them run between the tackles, do some outside zone stuff, keep them off balance with the play action. I think the Cowboys can really get it done that way as long as they're efficient and running the ball, set up the play action, and get things going. Look out for Dalton Schultz anytime touchdown, by the way, too. Free play there. That's Dak's favorite, favorite, favorite of the favorites, Dalton Schultz. He loves yeah. Dalton Schultz. He loves him. Yeah. He loves him. He probably named his first kid Dalton. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he really does. Like, he, and so as somebody – you know, who uh, had Dalton Schultz in fantasy. And then, I'll tell you, as soon as I draft a player, it, it's downhill from, from that point on. He gets hurt. That gets hurt. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you, I, I, if I ever do draft another team, if I ever play fantasy football again, I think I actually just will draft players that I don't want to do well. <laughs> you know, I'll just draft it in yeah, that way. See how that, that works out. Yeah, watch. You're probably, you're winning the league. Why not? Why exactly? But in terms of this game right here, I, I'm taking the point. I think San Francisco will win it. I think I think this San Francisco top to bottom has the best roster left in the end in the in the, uh, in, the in the playoffs. I believe. Now, quarterback, the disparity. And if you just take, let's just, I think San Francisco has the best roster. AFC, NFC, you name. It. Now, if you just strictly talk the NFC side. Still obviously have the best roster, but now we're talking about quarterbacks and how far that goes down. They are getting it. Brock Purdy is was is me in college. All I did was show up to class, write my name on top of the group assignment, and have one or two lines. When the teacher asked me, "What did I do?" I have one or two lines of, "Well, you know, I did this, and I organized the meetings, and I, you know, I had, you know, I, I printed everything out, right." Something useful, but nothing that really impacted the, the the final presentation. All right, you know who was giving me my A's and B's in college? It was the Christian McCaffrey's, the George Kittle's, the Brandon Ayuk's, the Fred Warner's that were all in my group. Right when they got, when I got picked, they were all like, "Damn, Martin's here." That's how they feel about Brock Purdy. I feel like, "Oh, Brock's here." All right, well, you know what? You just show up on time. You smile when the presentation is going on. And have two or three things. Like in this game, he's going to have to do two or three things, make a big third down conversion, big or, you know, seconds, get out of second and 20, make that third and seven. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be something along those lines or you guys, he's going to have to make a play. And I think the first half in Seattle, like the way that Shanahan called the game is going to allow him to be ready to make a play. Because I think if you're the Shanahan Austin, if you're the 49ers, you said, look, we got here down here every year without our quarterback making a play. Now we just need one or two. That's why they trade three first-round picks 
to move up to get Trey Lance because they need one or two plays out of the quarterback, right? And Brock Purdy, as we've seen, is a guy who has the appropriate amount of effort in him, effort in him, right? Where he will like just chuck it. You know what I'm saying? He will chuck it, and you know when you got guys like George Kittle out there, you're chucking it. You're chucking, you know that's that's a that, that's good math. No, I 100% agree with you on that take as far as Brock Purdy being the guy that comes in and doesn't do much on the group assignment for sure. I, I just believe in this game, I think the Cowboys were forcing him into too many, uh, enough situations where he has to drop back. I think he will be in a few third and longs in this game. I think they're going to sell up to stop the run, and I think they'll force him into a mistake or two, which will turn the tide in the game. But it's going to be a good one. Though. I can't wait. It should be a good one. I think we're. I think we are set up for three really good games. One is going to be a blowout, and I think that'll be the first one that we watch. <laughs> I think the Jags. I, I hope you're right. Smoked. I, I think hope you're the, right. <laughs> I think the Jaguars are uh, will not be long for the divisional round of the playoffs. But let's take another quick break and come back with our lemon pepper parlay. I may have hinted at mine already. All right, Mark, you know I know my lemon pepper parlay. The Bengals and the Giants, both of them on the money line. We are going to have a good weekend, baby. That's the way we're going to roll that in. It's clocking in at 10 to 1, 11 to 1. Giants on the money line, Bengals on the money line. If you want to go ahead and take the points, feel free. But in the words of damn Dave Damashek, I'm not surviving. Wait, what is it? Whatever, forget it. I forgot to spray it. I'm not just living. I'm surviving. Or I'm not just surviving. I'm living. Whatever it is, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking the Giants and the Bengals on the money line. That's where I'm going uh, for my wife's advice for the weekend. So, yeah, for me, mine is not as juicy as yours. I do agree on one half of yours. I got the Bengals money line, but I also got the Cowboys money line as well. So you're still getting some nice plus money there. Like I said, not as juicy as Martin's with the Giants, obviously. But still, you like you can make a nice chunk of change off the Cowboys money line, Bengals money line. Buy some lunch, get you a steak dinner next week. If you're in LA, hit up Martin. He'll take you to your nearest place near the beach. Have fun next weekend. <laughs> Let's cash in, baby. Yeah, man. I'm looking. This is. They say this is the one of the best weekends in sports. I tend to agree. Oh yeah, I agree. I think I always debate between this one or Championship Weekend though. Championship weekend is really good, too, but you only got two games. So I can see why people are saying this one is better because you have four games. But I think they're eh, – it's all playoff football. I love it all. I just know that the worst, the worst time of the year is soon approaching. And it is the week between the conference championship and the Super Bowl. It is the worst time of the year. <laughs> easily the worst time of the year. It's we're we're going to give Martin – I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna force you to watch some NBA basketball, baby. No, it's still football season. Let's go, G Ben. That's the lemon pepper parlay. Mark Odell, thanks for joining me this week, and uh, let's make some money. Yes, sir.